And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. That's right, it's Big John McCarthy with the big T for Tennessee. That's right, you wish you were here. It's not Texas. This is not Texas. It's Tennessee. What's up, my man? This is like a third world country these days, buddy. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So is most. Of What's us. going on, buddy? What's going on, man? Hey, as everyone knows, I'm leaving today to Riyadh and uh, going to Riyadh. This is gonna be fun. This is gonna yeah, be baby. fun. Flying in. I'm pretty excited. This is like it's a long trip. Everyone, yes, it is a long trip. We got a long flight into Turkey, and then we got another four and a half hours from Turkey to there. Uh, I'll be working with uh, my. You'll be working with me. You yes, dummy. I will be working with you. This That's is right. Fine. You'll be working with me. That's all you need That's to know. That's all we need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and with my other co-host, Amanda Guetta. Oh. That's, that's right. right. Our number one fan. That's, yes, Amanda. our listener, Amanda. So Our number one listener. That's I'm, right. I'm pretty pumped about this week's fight card. I mean, it's going to be fun. I, I know we've had a couple people drop off on the fight card for the PFL. Uh, but then on top of that, though, look, happens, happens. there's a lot of excitement going on. You know, we're going to tighten it up, let these guys get out there and, and show what they can do. So I'm excited for the PFL versus Bellator fight card. And then on top of it, I mean, just exploring a new country. It's going to be great. I mean, I believe um, from what I understand, uh, I was texting back and forth with uh, Habib and Islam. It sounds like they might be out there, maybe not going to the fights because some other engagements they have. But it sounds like they might be out there to have some coffee and get some. So hopefully get a chance to see the the old boys, the old crew back together. So we will see. We will see. But uh, it'll be fun. Um, Where do you want to start, John? I want to start with congratulations. I think congratulations are in order. I think the UFC did a good thing in that they put the man, the myth, the legend, a guy that has been there from the very beginning. And you look at and say, talk about pioneers of the sport. And he's in the pioneer edition, uh, excuse me, pioneer wing of the the Hall of Fame going in. But he could have been in the modern age because this is a guy that fought, you know, well into, you know, all of the uh you know the hundreds of the ufc started out facing in the ufc vitor belfort but vanderlei silva is put into the ufc hall of fame and that is absolutely something that should have been done a lot of people would look and say well you know surprise because of the pride run no the ufc owns pride they own that whole thing he was remarkable when he was in pride he was still just crazy tough and absolutely a berserker as a fighter when he came to the UFC again after the pride deal and congratulations to the ax murder. I told you how that the, the nickname came about. Didn't you I? did, but I, I did. Uh, you did. I forgot though, but I do remember it had something to do with the beginning portions of the UFC owners. They kind of had this little tip back. And he, he looks like an ax murderer is what kind of, no, it was, it was, the, you know, they had gotten uh, John Peretti was the matchmaker at that time. John Peretti had, uh, had started Extreme Battlecade, Extreme Fighting Battlecade, and he was a competition for the UFC in the beginning, and then that kind of folded, and he ended up being brought in as the matchmaker when they got mad at Art Davey, who started the UFC. Um, so he we were in Brazil, and Vitor Belfort was supposed to fight Jerry Bolander, and Jerry Bolander pulled out because he hurt his knee, and uh, Frank Shamrock was facing John Lober. And so they bring in Vanderlei to fight Vitor Belfort. And Vitor Belfort did not want to fight him. Mm. Did not want to fight him. He's sitting there saying, let me fight Frank Shamrock. 
I'll fight. You know, I don't want to fight another Brazilian is what he's saying. And, and basically, you know, John Peretti just, you know, looks and looks at everyone and says, of course he doesn't want to goddamn face him. He's a fucking axe murderer. Who wants to face an axe murderer? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> that's, that's how it came about. It all makes sense now. Cause when you watch Vitor step into that cage and fight Vanderlei in that fight, he fought scared. He fought, it was like a, I can, I'll, I can tell you stories, my man, you would not believe mm -hmm. I actually hit Vitor before that fight. I actually, because he was, he was a mess. He did not want to fight him until I know it was like, the only thing I could think of was, Hey man. And I'm whacked him. And I said, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Right. And I was shocked at the way he actually did handle himself when he did go out there, because you could tell that he did not want to be there. He, but once the fight started, he was just like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, let me just wait let me, and try to figure out a way to, and he, all of a sudden he exploded and it was over and he was acting like that's the way it was supposed <laughs> to be. And this is what happens uh, in fighting. This is true. This is true. Look, uh, one of my first memories of Vanderlei outside of just watching him in the pride fights was watching the video of him uh, choke out crazy horse in the oh, back in the triangle in the back right. yeah he yeah. attacked vanderlei and vanderlei just put him into a triangle and just choked him well, hold on, that, that wasn't vanderlei who was it that was vanderlei's jujitsu coach he actually charles yes crazy horse crazy horse hit vanderlei and knocked him out he sucker punched yeah. him in that Vanderlei got in his face and and you know how God, you know, been crazy Charles was. What's it's been that, that long. Like I, all oh, I can yeah, think about dude, is and, like, this. And he just took he took a step back and crack. Oh. And Vanderlei was not expecting it. And he goes down. And that's when the, the whole, whole commotion went on. Yeah. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Man, it's been so long since I've seen that. But yeah, that's oh, yeah. the memory that I Craziness. have of them is the crazy horse and the and the Vanderlei altercation. But I thought it was Vanderlei who pulled who put the triangle on him and choked him out. Are you sure, John? Nope. I'm positive, dude. That was that was his coach. D Dave, look that up. Put him on contact. Crazy Horse and Vanderlei. I swear I thought it was Vanderlei because he was on the bottom. I want to say it's Marcelo Alonso, I believe. Mm. No, no, it coach. wouldn't be a fight, Dave. Well, it's no, a, no, it's it was a fight, a fight in the back locker room. It was Vanderlei yeah. versus Crazy Pride, Horse. Put Pride fight yeah. uh, backstage crazy, uh, crazy Horse Bennett. Oh, here we go. Or Charles Bennett. I thought it was him. Cristiano It'll show it. Marcelo. Cristiano Marcelo. There you there go. Is. Yes, he's chokes him out. Mm. How come I can't see it? What this do you is mean? not right. It's all white for yeah, me. Yeah, it was all white is for it? me, too. There we go. Okay. <clears throat> I can see it. What the heck's going on here? I'm trying to see And that is because of he had had the little altercation with Vanderlei. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say, I don't want to say he knocked Vanderlei out, but he, he hit him yeah. and put him down. Because he wasn't expecting it. This is in the back. They're all getting warmed up. They get caught up into the curtains there. Yeah. I'll go more towards the end. More towards the end? Yeah, yeah. Right around there. Yeah. It's probably like right about there. It's just Bruce Buffering right now. Man, it's, it's freaking just... that Walmart Wi-Fi you have in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> the liberals must have got a hold of him, put some regulations on it. Oh, love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't him. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, I'm trying to remember. Let him go, dude. <laughs> Poor guy, he's out. <laughs> Damn, he's out. Oh man, what a mess! What a mess! Yeah.
Jeez. Yeah, I just I remember this, the altercation between them, and then I remember Baroni got into it too with them and, and Mark Coleman. They Everyone. they all got into it with the shootbox guys. It was, it was shootbox against the yeah. world, man. It really was. So. It was it was a great time. But man. I guess to touch more on his career, look, he was probably one of the most feared guys in the sport, especially during that pride era. And oh, yeah. he had one of the most intense stare downs, probably the most scariest stare downs. But he was so fun to watch his little roll, rolling of the wrist. Yeah, you know, um, just everything he did. Everything he did was very, um, very. It, it engaged the fans. It got them excited for his fight. From the stare down to the rolling of the wrist, the way he kind of hunched over and came out aggressive with his kicks, just blitzed you. And, and he just brawled. Yeah. I mean, he, let's be honest. Technically, the you know the punches he threw and stuff, not technically yeah. the way you want people to throw straight punches. He just he would plant his feet, bite down, and mm -hmm. just wing shots. But really, if you're gonna go with what was his most dangerous weapon, knees. his knees, his clinch in the in a you know Muay Thai plum clinch in his knees, yeah. man, he was devastating. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the most feared fighters ever to step foot in the cage inside the ring, all of those things. Um, when I, when I look at him though, John, let me ask you how the, how has the sport changed? Because it seems like pride had just the level of excitement of fights in pride. Just we've, it's never been matched. I mean, you get a couple well, of one-offs, but they had cars that were stacked with just, a nasty, they amazing did. fights. Because it was also, I want you, when you go and you think about it, go and, you know, look at most of the prides when it really started going. You know, in the beginning, you know, they papered, mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about papering seats, promoters give away tickets, you know, and trust me, they give away tens of thousands yeah. of tickets at times uh, to try to fill an arena so it looks good and they know they're not going to make the money off of the purchases of the seats. But Pride in the beginning, they did that. And that's a normal thing for a lot of promotions. But when they were strong, not only did they have a, the best heavyweight lineup, because that was really what was the thing. They had all the real top heavyweights at the time kind of fighting in Pride. You know, when I say top guys, you know, Mark Kerr came to the UFC and he wins the heavyweight tournament. And then he basically goes to Pride. You know, and you had this happy Mark Coleman is the first super fight champion, you know, beating Dan Severn at UFC 12. And he ends up, you know, losing a couple, but he goes to pride and then he wins the pride, you know, uh, tournament, Grand Prix tournament. But it was how many people they had, you know, they had, an, they, they sold out a stadium of 91,000 people. If you remember 91,000 people, Josh. Yeah. So the, the country of Japan was absolutely giddy about pride they loved pride they were they were proud of it it was their fight organization and they backed it completely it was like a little bit behind baseball yeah. i'll say that's yeah. <laughs> about it and and then it was not only that japan was that way the u.s really yeah. took hold of watching pride based upon a lot of american fighters a lot of american fighters facing brazilian fighters japanese fighters they made it a spectacle and that was the difference of what they did their production when they you know had entrances and, and the whole thing you know lenny hart 
God bless her. She's, you know, just unbelievable as far as that scream that she Mm -hmm. had that it could pierce your eardrums. Okay. You could actually start to bleed from the ears of listening to her at times. But it was remarkable because it was so individualized and so distinct that you were listening to pride yeah. when she started barking out those names. And then the walkouts that they did at time, you know, all the all the fighters coming out at once and being on the stage and the fireworks going off and the big thing, their production was bar none the best that I've ever seen. Absolutely. When I fought over in pride for uh, Bushido and then later on fought for dream, which was basically very much the same promotion, just done with smaller guys. It, the production, the, the walkout ceremonies where they bring out all the fighters that was done before the first fight. Normally the first fight didn't get an opportunity to walk out. And so then, you know, but then they always, they always had some sort of rain falling and then either lightning yeah. or thunder behind with the noise. And then they had sometimes real snow that fell no yeah they did they did that with fedor in vegas when fedor first fought in vegas and you look at you go they didn't want to put plastic down so they actually had shaved ice and snow coming down when he walked it's like and that's what i'm talking insane just insane their production value was amazing and that's when the ufc bought them they really just bought the library. That was the biggest thing that they could have bought from them. If you, if you guys have an opportunity, go back and view all their fights, especially Vanderlei's fights. His fight with Mirko, his fights with all these top guys, man. Mark, Mark Hunt. Hunt. Just, you know, his fights with Rampage. Yeah, I, holy just shit. Just insane. Yeah, he definitely his fights with Rampage. He just had, he had something about him that was just so aggressive, so intense. And you, you just didn't know what he was going to do. Knee your head off, take your head off with loopy right hook, left hook, you know, caveman style. Uh, he yep. just, he was, he was good at getting up off the bottom. He was good at stuff and takedowns. He would even like when he fought Guy Metzger, he'd even headbutt you. You know, there was just things in there that he would do <laughs> that you could tell that he was a, he was a fighter. He was a fighter through and oh. through. And when they, when the UFC bought this, and this is a, I, when people look at his at UFC career and they're like, Oh, why is he in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't that great. Yeah, they bought it. They they the put totality. him in the totality of him being what he's given to the sport. I'm sorry, but he's got so many, so many fights. I could go back and go, man, I wish we had fighters like that these days. You know, and yeah. we don't. What is that's what I, originally my question was: is we're lacking that. We're I feel like we get it sometimes from the female fighters. We'll get it from the men fighters as well. But like. These seem like every fight on Pride, and I know it wasn't every fight. I'm, I'm exaggerating here, no. but it yeah. seemed like they were always a Whaley and, and Joanna Young Jake Check type fight. It was a stand and trade and get after it banger. And you know you have those moments and those fights now, but they're few and far between. You go back and you watch the old Pride fights. It seemed like you had two or three a card that were that way. Yeah. And then when you got into the lighter weights too, with Gomi, with Joaquin Hansen, and when Eddie, uh, not Eddie, but um. When all the, you know, when some of the guys that were there, man, it was just, they were just such great. Buscape and all those guys, Kawajiri, during that era of their time, they would just throw down. Joaquin Hansen was probably one of my favorite fighters to watch. Skinny little twig, but man, that guy could fucking fight. He could fight. The one thing I want to say, because it's true, like Vanderlei at, you know, at the end of his career with the UFC had some hard times and, you know, some harsh words. And you really got to, you know, look at the ufc and say hey way to go yes he said some things that were not flattering and they probably weren't true but you look past it and you said this is about yeah. great fighters 
and great fighters make mistakes with some of the things they can say and they put them in there and that's that's the way it's supposed to be well i mean let's talk about like frank shamrock for they reached out and we and i and if you guys yep. don't know lorenzo fertitta yeah. dana white they hate frank shamrock hate they, him they, it's like they are disgusted with him they don't ever want to tell do business you the story yeah. why they don't ever they never want to do business with him but they even extended an olive branch and said hey if we're going to have a true Hall of Fame, we need to incorporate people that even we don't like. We would like to put you into it. And he turned them down. Now, they may extend right. that olive branch again later on as he gets a little bit older. Why? Why I would? I'm being, on, I, I, I'm being honest. When you look and you go, and, and this is the problem. This is the game. And, and, I, and I love Frank. And I'm friends with Frank. And I, and I was upset when he didn't take it. I said, you shouldn't have taken that. I go, you, you need to be there. You deserve to be there. And they offered it to you and your fucking stubbornness mm -hmm. and your fucking ego and pride are telling you, no, I don't, I'm, I'm mad at you. There's nothing to be mad at with them. You didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. He really did it. When he fought, it was a different organization, but you look and you go, if you're the UFC, Hey, I've offered this to you. You turn me down. Why am I coming back to you? Yeah. Because now Frank is, you know, sometimes coming out on like, you know, Twitter or Instagram saying, huh, seems like I'm not there. Yeah. That's because you told him no. Yeah. It, it seemed like a little bit of a jab. Not a little bit of a jab. It was a jab. And yeah. I think, I think they should, as time rolls on, they should extend that all over. Because you know, John, as we get older, we start not letting the things that happened in our past get to us anymore. We start kind of trying to. Trying to kind yep. of make it ease Smooth with, you know, with our, with our demons. Better. And so I, I'm hoping at a later time, look, I've had face-to-face -face conversations with Frank Shamrock and there's no secret that him and I don't like each other, but yeah. to, to say that I don't respect him as a fighter. And this, hold on, this is the guy that you used to train yeah, with. I enjoy training with him. He was, he was fantastic yeah. to train with. I hated when he would get me in chokes and I would tap and he wouldn't let go. He was an asshole that way. But it also made me a better fighter. Why did you not just fucking nail him in the nuts? I should have. That guy. That guy <laughs> hurt me more than anybody in my whole gym. I'd have ever. fucking grabbed hold. I'd have fucking grabbed hold. I'd have put my hand. I'd have fucking done Gary Goodrich versus the Pedro. Reach in and <laughs> squeeze, baby. He he was a nasty sob man. You better hope I go out before my grip fucking. He loses. was a nasty son of a bitch, bro, inside the gym. And at the time when I was training with him, he was still fighting. He was fought John Lober. He fought, you know, Tito. That was the time that I was Dude, there. His and first fight against John Lober in the Super yeah. Bowl. Holy shit. Look at where we're going. Man. I know. We're just, we're just going on into the history, but all right. Let's we can, we gotta we're going to get off of this, but look, <laughs> it really just comes down to, I hope that they do extend out another olive branch to him later on down the line, maybe in another five years or so. Oh, say, I hope they do. This too. is it. We want to make sure that the, the UFC hall of fame or the hall of fame in general incorporates all the top level guys that help bring the sport to the highest level. So, yep. but Vanderlei, congratulations, nothing but the best. Um, and, uh, excited to see you in the hall of fame, buddy. Josh, this past weekend was uh, seven years since your last fight. How does that seven feel? Seven years. <sighs> I mean, who knows? We never know. It might not be my last fight. You never know. Oh, ah! well, here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. You never know, John. You never know. You, you never, never know. know. Don't ever say ever. No. This is like, you never know how stupid someone yeah, can be. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I mean, I've proven I can be pretty stupid, but this might be the probably the all-time stupidest if I was to actually take another fight. 
But look, I'm actually not opposed to it. I'm actually not opposed to it. But look, Don, I'm also what it is right now is I got through the stem cell, the stem cell treatments over at CPI. I'm feeling a little bit better, but I haven't been able to train yet. And I'm supposed to start training yeah. here in about two weeks. And I want to get back into running. And I can tell you right now that I played some basketball the other day with my son and some other kids in the community. And about 20 minutes in, I was breathing real heavy. And so I know when I get back, when I get back and I'm able to go train and I'm able to go run and do things, I think after about a week, I'm going to be like, yeah, fighting's not really for me anymore. <laughs> be because. Well, hold on. We were, we, were, we were just on a call and, and Randy Couture was on that call. And all of a sudden we were talking about your guys coming back and fighting and stuff. And he goes, he says, well, he goes, I don't think you want to see a 60-year-old division. I go, no, they definitely don't want to see a 60-year-old division. Stop. Yes. Uh, who was it? I think, was it Dan Hardy that hit me up and goes, hey, when are you coming back? And I'm like, bro, what are you talking about, man? Why are you trying to do that to me? You know. Um, but hey, you know, like I said, money talks. You show me a good payday, we might have a conversation. But it's going to be a lot of things to work out. I'm not opposed to it. Like I said, I've had the itch for the for the uh, bare knuckle. I don't know why, John. I know something about know. the bare knuckle really kind of kind of turns me on, gives me a hard on. It's, it's your jawline. <laughs> yeah, it is my jawline. That's what it is. It is it's your jawline. It is, so gonna, that thing matches up well with a fucking bare fist. Well, you I shit. just I grew I grew up fighting a lot in the streets. <laughs> so at did school. I. But that doesn't change. I guess the fact you know. Forty. Yeah, I know. I look, forty-five. If, I don't even think about fighting. If, <laughs> But you're also 80, so I get why. I dude. But I'll tell you what, man. It look if if you were to, I'm trying to think like who like I wouldn't fight like an Eddie. I wouldn't fight a Chad Mendes. Those guys are still young. Oh, are Jesus they even 40 Christ. yet? Is Eddie even 40? No, I think he's Eddie like 38. Eddie's 39. right at 39. I think. Yeah, five years is a lot. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> being in your prime is you know a year or two is a lot. So. You know, can you imagine what five years, you know, away from the sport completely was like, bitch? Anyways, yeah, yeah Eddie's how old? 40. Yeah, 40. Oh, he's 40 yeah, now. I'll be okay. 46 this year. Jeez, guys. That's Come right. On. Look at you're actually telling the I truth. I still too. look good, though. Good. Let's got this job. All right, let's go ahead. And we're going to jump right into the UFC fight night. Uh, what is this? 37? Mexico. 87? What is this? UFC Mexico City. Mexico. Oh, Mexico 237 fight yeah. night. Uh, then right after that, we're going to talk uh, Bellator and um, Bellator PFL and the Clash of the, the Champions and some changes to the card coming up in, in fight week. So. Let's go ahead and jump right into this. We're going to cover the main event, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Roy Vall. John? Man, I'll tell you what. This, it's a great main event if you're looking for, especially in Mexico, especially when you're looking at, you know, Brandon Moreno and how he's a superstar there. They love him. And uh, this is a different opponent. Brandon Roy Vall took, you know, this on and uh, stepped up to uh, take this fight after, his, after Brandon's opponent pulled out. And I'll tell you what, didn't get any easier. Brandon Royval, obviously, he just fought for the flyweight championship, wasn't able to get it done against Pantoja. But dude, he's got skills everywhere. And he, you know, technically, you look at the way he fights, he is a problem for anyone. Uh, they have fought in the past, obviously. It's a rematch. There was the uh, kind of injury to the shoulder mm -hmm. thing that kind of happened with uh, Royval and stuff. But it wasn't why he lost the fight. You know, Brandon was doing very, Moreno was doing very well in that fight. And I, I look at this fight and I, I'm looking at it. I don't know if it's going to be any different. Hmm. The big difference that I see between the two, and it's not that Brandon Roy Vall is not a tough dude. He is. Moreno's just a bit of a fucking 
crazy junkyard dog. He's got that crazy side to him where he just doesn't stop, just keeps coming and puts on a pressure. And the fact that this is in Mexico City, I hope that Roy Vall has been smart enough to acclimate himself and be there for about a month. Because mm-hmm. if he hasn't, his lungs are going to be burning after the first round. Yeah. Burning. And it's going to make a difference in the fight. I, the same thing goes for Brandon Moreno, though. I mean, he's he should have taken himself there as well. Uh, you're right. He and so, and we've seen before in the past from Cain Velasquez, Eddie Alvarez, Gilbert Melendez, when they all went to Mexico City. People that City, are known to have great conditioning and a high pace. Just it can kill it just you. got it just killed them and murdered them. Yeah. And then it's seven thousand feet. That's a lot, John. Seventy one. That that's a that's a lot. Like it's 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 not easy. I would spend lots. A lot of fighters do now these days is. They would spend a lot of time on the hyperbaric chambers or in the uh, it, I would use a machine called the hypoxico. I would use that machine yeah. to help with my elevation and my training instead of having to go to Big Bear or go to Tahoe or any of those things. I would train. Yeah, it, gives, it gives you less ox- oxygen. As yeah. You, uh, deprives your body of oxygen, creates more red yeah. blood cells, helps build the red blood cells into your muscles, gives you better oxygen count, you know, so then your muscles don't fatigue as much, all of those things. And I was doing that years and years uh, before even the, the bigger company, the bigger fighters started talking about doing it. Most people went to Big Bear, whereas I just said, ah, I'll stay at home and oh, do yeah. this machine. Um, but yeah, and you know who got me turned on to that was Kyle Kingsbury. Kyle was really Kyle's one of the Kyle, Kyle was way out there as far as being ahead of the curve when it came to conditioning and stuff, the things he would do. Yeah. You know, he he, he, smart. he was the guy I think I wish I would have taken a little bit more time. And rested my body because he was the guy that always rests. I'm like, man, you're so lazy. I'm like, dude, you know, I would give him a hard time. But he was always in phenomenal shape. He always pushed himself. He always looked the part. Uh, you know, yep. I guess on those rest days, he should have, instead of resting, he should have rested, but he should have done more of an active recovery and fine-tuned a little bit more on the mitts and the pads and that because that's sure. where he lacked. He was great physically, but he lacked the techniques, whether it was grappling yes. or the, the kickboxing. Um, he was a, he was good. He was a great athlete, great athlete, but he did lack when it came to that upper echelon of mm-hmm. talent. Where what he could do when he faced another guy that was super talented, that's where he had problems. John, this is where I see the difference between Brandon Moreno and Brandon Roy Vall is that Brandon Moreno has now fought how many countless five round title fights, you know, and mm. and just understanding like what's at stake and going five rounds, being the main event in Mexico City, the altitude, all of these things. He is more yeah. prepared, I think. Mentally, he'll be more prepared. Physically, he'll probably be more prepared. Whereas Brandon Roy Vall, sure, they have fought. Sure, Brandon Roy Vall, uh, I believe, fought five rounds before twice now. He just, just yeah, did. Yeah, I know, but twice now. His last fight. Well, I'm looking at him. He's been prepared for these type of things. But there's just a different level of comfort of being out there in a five-round fight against somebody like a Brandon Moreno. And when I see these two guys getting after it, Brandon Moreno is going to be, I think, maybe just a tiny one step ahead of him every single every single um, scramble, every single exchange, all of those things. Now, when I say that, this is the opportunity for Brandon Royval to capitalize and just say, "Look, oh, yeah. your time has passed." I know that Brandon, I know that Brandon Moreno is still young, but your time has passed. It's time for me to make my slide in there and put myself into the top, and that's all he's got to do. I know it's easier said than done, but this is his opportunity, his chance to say, "Look." You know, uh, the injury, the first fight, and I know, and I actually thought that that fight was 
Brandon Moreno was kind of winning. Just a t I had him slightly ahead, I believe, as I recall. Yeah. But I, yeah. Rival was hardly out of the fight. Oh yeah. And in this like in this situation of five rounds, there's plenty of opportunities for you to create, um, you know, the momentum to take over the fight at any moment. Rounds two, rounds three, rounds four, whatever it is. And so, um, I think Brandon Royval's got a good shot at getting this win. He's got to sprawl and brawl, keep this thing on the feet. And, you know, if he can get to the top position, I think he'll have success from the top. I don't think he can afford to be from the bottom. Well, you can sit there and you look at that. It's a great fight. But you could actually look and say that the, the co-main might end up being a better fight. Mm -hmm. You're, that co-main event has obviously, it is a rematch also. And one that ha you know ended with a shoulder injury, just like the 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 main event. But Yair Rodriguez going against Brian Ortega—that's a great matchup, and one that you know we kind of we saw exactly how it was starting to unfold and everything in the first one. But you know Brian's shoulder popped as he's pulling out of the submission from uh, Yair. Shit happens, just you know the way it is in life, but. This is a great featherweight matchup in between, you know, guys that you could absolutely say are two of the best featherweights out there, both in the top five. Yeah. Man, this is setting up for who is going to get a possible match with a guy named Tapuri. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Brian Ortega, along, but Yair, here's the one thing. Brian Ortega should have taken a page out of what we were just talking about, and hopefully he spent the first two to three weeks training over there in Mexico City because Yair Rodriguez, I believe, lives and trains in Mexico City. Trouble. And so when you and when, he, when I went back and saw him explode onto the scene and that same card where Kane lost to Verdum, he was on that card. Oh. Flying yeah, around, yeah. backflip this, front kick this. It was all <laughs> over the place in that fight. Yep. Yep. Like it was nothing. Yeah, like it was nothing. And him having that um, conditioning, that cardio, and that pace, to be able to do that in a three-round fight, do that against someone like a Brian Ortega, it's going to really, really kind of show if Brian was smart enough to get out there early, two to three weeks, at least three weeks, I would say. Yep. Yeah, two, two weeks is just touching it you got to go at yeah. least the three Cain velasquez went out there two weeks beforehand and then oh, javier yeah. was trying to get him out to go out there sooner and Cain didn't want to leave no i'm not leaving no i'm not leaving and i think ultimately that's what cost him the title in my yeah. own mind that's what cost him the title maybe i'm wrong but it was True. the fatigue uh brian ortega on the feet he's gonna have to get this fight to the ground he's gonna have to but as i recall in the last fight it was yair who took this fight to the ground well no you're right uh, he was yeah. and and it's Yair is, is absolutely the more dynamic fighter, you know, all the way around, you know. But Brian, you know, known as T-City, look, his ground game is solid. I mean, just, and it's, when I talk about solid, I mean that someone that I say is a solid ground fighter means that they can transition from one element to the next, and it's smooth. It's not like... You'll see guys transition, and they'll transition from the triangle to the arm bar, and then back to the triangle. And you look at it, and it's it's working to a point. It's but it's based on power. It's based on strength in trying to grab and you know. And they're burning themselves as they're doing. It. Brian doesn't do that most of the time. Brian's is just nice and smooth, and he's relaxed as he's doing it. And he could do that to Yair. Yair you know, not taking anything away from Yair's ground game, but it is not at the level of Ortega's. Yeah. 
<clears throat> just like I don't think Ortega, you know, Ortega's stand-up is at the level, especially the kicks of Yari Rodriguez. You know, toughness-wise, I got to tell you, you know, I think uh, Yair is tough. I've seen him take some, you know, ass weapons and just continue to move on. But there's no one tougher than Brian Ortega. Yeah, I agree. You I, may you may be as tough, but you're not tougher. I agree. I think the I think the calf kicks will get started early and often against Brian Ortega. And that'll kind of be a little bit of a tell sign of whether Brian's going to either try to just chase in and get the takedowns or if he can just be stuck on the outside trying to outstrike the kicker. That's going to be a problem. The next fight, John. Daniel Zellhuber against Francisco Prado. Look, this is a fantastic fight. Prado is a damn good fighter, but Zellhuber is special. Daniel Zellhuber is a phenom. He's one of those guys... Super nice guy, fights out of extreme couture. This kid doesn't even know how good he is. His coaches yeah. do, but he doesn't, you know, he has no idea how to let it go and do all the things that he can do in a fight because at this point he's so young, he, he doesn't want to make the mistake. And he's good enough to where he can make mistakes and not get caught by him. But I understand exactly why he is the way he is. But this is a fantastic matchup, but I got to tell you, Zell Huber is that kid that he can do it all. Yeah, we had Eric Nixick on our podcast here a couple times now, but he's been high on him. He's talked about how great he is. And if you guys haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that uh, interview we did with uh, Eric Nixick. Zell Huber yeah, is one of the guys it. that he just continuously says, like, he will be a champion, or at least he will be in that title contention here in a matter of time. Now, Prado is good. Prado is. He's good on the feet, but needs to get this fight to the ground, whereas Zell Huber, I think, is going to have to keep this fight standing, keep his back off the fence, and utilize his kicks more. He's got length. He's got reach. He's got range. Man. He's got to utilize he, those he, kicks. He's, you, you, look, at Luke Rockhold had the best question mark kick mm-hmm. of anybody I think I've ever seen, just the way he throw it. There's a couple guys that are close. Well, Zell Huber's one. He's close. He's got a beautiful question mark. You can't. He hides it so well, and it's coming up. Looks like it's a leg, and also whack over the top. Fantastic. John, he does have great kicks, and he knows how to use them when he needs when he uses them. He just doesn't use them enough. enough. I would like to see yeah. him kind of mix in his kick with his boxing because right now he's very boxing centric. If he adds yeah. the kicks a little bit more, whether it's start off with them and then finish with the combination, or start with the hands and finish with the kick. I think it'll open up a lot more of what he's doing right now. It's one or the other, instead of trying to merge them together and making it flow a little bit better, but man, there's a, there's a high expectation on him and I'm excited to see exactly where he starts to develop as he gets a little bit older. He's 14 and one. He's fighting um, Prado who is 12 and one very evenly matched. Prado is going to have to get yeah. this fight to the ground. He doesn't want to be on the outside. You, you can't, can't afford to be on the outside or on the feet with him. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yep, I agree. Uh, next fight. Look, this is almost the same thing, you know, in a in a fashion. Raul Rosas Jr. is this kid is talented. There's no doubt about it. He's tough. He's got skills. He's going up against Ricky Tercios, and Ricky is one of those guys. He's a gamer. He's going to be there. He's going to be doing all kinds of different techniques, trying. And he's the guy that, if you're going to look and say gritty, tough fighter, I don't know if he has enough skill. To match up with Raul Rosas, no. Rosas, Rosas Jr. though is going to have to understand that if he shoots his wad in the first round, 
if yeah. he chases submissions after submissions after submissions and Turkios Tercios is just Tercios. someone is just he will escape he will make it awkward he will scramble out of things in a very weird position and Ricky's going to go ahead and try to keep pushing the action make him try to make uh Raul Rosas Jr like use all the energy he possibly can in these exchanges and will he be the yeah. same fighter after round one, after chasing submission after submission, if he doesn't get it? That's kind of, we've seen him falter before in the past. That's his one loss. Well, that's, and if you're Tercios, that's what you're yeah. looking at. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make him work. I'm going to make it to where he gasps. Yeah. You know, it's a great, you know, game plan. If I know the people that are working with Rojas the way I do, look, the one thing they, they're, they're teaching him how to take, a break mm -hmm. in the middle of the fight. Yeah. You know, hey, you don't have to go 100 miles an hour for the five minutes. You can go 100 miles an hour for 20 seconds. Yep. Then let's back it down to 65. Okay. And then we'll up it a little bit. Then we'll back it down. Then we'll, and that's what he needs to learn. And we'll see if he has. Yeah. It's just taking a page out of the veterans' books. And when you see and watch them take a step back, take a deep breath. Forrest Griffin used to do that very well. He would take a step yeah. back and he'd go, huh. Like he'd almost breathe all of his air out. <gasps> yeah, he'd breathe all of his air out. No. And then he then get that, blow it out, and then get that less. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And then he'd come back in, and then he'd re-enter into the fight. All right, guys. Hey, that's gonna do it for our UFC talk. And then now we're gonna move on to the PFL. And before we do that, go to OnlyFans.com/slash Wayne In. OnlyFans.com/slash Wayne In. Subscribe to us over there. I'm gonna try to um. I'm going to try to do live coverage over there while I'm in Saudi Arabia this week. I got to see if they even allow that website to be accessed. If not, then, <laughs> then what I'll do is I'll probably, what does that say? yeah, I'll probably switch it over to, to my Instagram account. Um, or I may even try to just log into the, uh, the weighing in account and just try to push it all onto there. There you go. That might there be something go. that we do there. So, um, make sure you guys are following, uh, at weighing in or at the real punk on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, if you guys can't subscribe to us over at onlyfans.com slash weighing in, I can upload all my content onto there. I will, or I'll try to do some live conversations while I'm riding a camel or doing ATV and out in the desert. So it should be some fun. <laughs> should be fun. I'll be riding. I'll be riding a camel. You know, I heard camels are stubborn, man. They like to spit like Dave. <laughs> Dude, not, not only, not only do they like to spit, they like to bite. That's what I've heard. Yeah, they it's bite. so funny. I read a report on them saying they're kind of docile unless they get mad at you, and I'm like, they get mad at you, dude. They want to, yeah, bite you. lovely, just lovely. <laughs> get my ass trampled by a fucking ten foot damn camel. All yeah. right, let's go ahead and go to two, uh, the PFL versus Bellator, so champ versus champ. It's going to be in Riyadh, Ooh, Saudi yeah. Arabia, this Saturday night. It will be on pay per view. I believe the prelims will be on ESPN Plus. Uh, there's going to be four prelims. And then you also have the main card. The main card has a couple changes to it, though, John. It does, but let's let's make one thing clear for everyone: all of these championship matches of champion versus champion, they're not five rounds. Yes, because this isn't a championship. They're gonna get a belt that says that they're the the winner of the uh, the battle between the two promotions. But all of these are three round yeah. fights, so. Want to make sure that everyone knows that and doesn't say, what the hell's going on? It's a championship fight. Now, it's a championship fight between the two promotions, but it's not a world title fight as we normally are accustomed to. Well, let's also give you, I'm going to give you a reason on why. So what happened was they got the... There's a reason why. Look at all the yeah, fights. Yeah, there's a lot of fights. But on top of that, too, is 
is, you know, they were trying to get this in before the tournament series for PFL started because they wanted to have the champions fight champions, which is one. So then there was only about an eight week period. They could get these guys going. No reason to make these guys in a six to eight week period, try to train for a five round fight. They just come off the holiday holidays for them. Yeah. So let's go ahead and do the three rounds. There also will be an unveiling of their title belt, which is going to be just the, the two, I don't even know what they're calling it. I heard it's pretty cool. Yep, I heard it's got a. I heard. I heard the, it's got that little little added thing that you know a lot of guys are gonna like. John, I'm just gonna say it, buddy. They, go, they, dude, go. They, they actually, you, go. you know, because for a lot of t- a lot of period of times, like you see fighters want to carry their belt around. Well, you don't have to now. There's actually a built in, like kind of like a Super Bowl ring that's built into the belt. They can take that ring out the belt. and they can wear that that's around, cool. showing that they're the champion until the following year. So we're going to find out because it's going to be an annual event where the champions fight the champions. And we're going to see how this all works out. I'm excited. I'm excited for how this. How come someone first didn't year. think of that bef- before? I'm sure someone did, but maybe it's, I can't imagine it's too cost effective, John. <laughs> okay. I can't there imagine. There we go. <laughs> so, um, but look, let's, let's right, go ahead and start off with the main let's event. Go John. With it. We got Heenan Feher going up against Ryan Bader in the main event, you know, heavyweight champion of the pfl's last season's tournament against the heavyweight champion of bellator and ryan bader it's a great matchup the real question you got to look at and say is obviously experience and veteran status has got to go with ryan bader but you got to go with youth size and size going <laughs> with Heenan yeah. he's huge and when, when I say he's huge, a lot of you know a lot of people put you know numbers out there as far as how tall they are, and if you really measured him, you go you're you're two inches shorter than that. He's not. He is a he is a absolute six foot eight, six foot nine. He is a big man, the biggest man that Ryan Bader has ever stepped in the cage with, and this is going to be Ryan Bader at forty years of age. Now we talked with Ryan. And we talked about you know facing someone that size and the length that he has and the power that he has in his hands. But you, you know, Bader knows exactly who he is, and you know where his uh, his skill set comes from, and he he knows that if he can take the fight to the ground, that he's got a very good chance of winning it because that's that is the kryptonite of Fajera. Fajera is a guy who wants to be on his feet. Bader can be on his feet, but his wrestling look—he's got a blast double, second to you know Brock Lesnar in MMA. Yeah. In the heavyweight division, it's, you know, he's got a fantastic. And Brian Bader has not lost at heavyweight for a reason based upon he is a much faster fighter as a heavyweight than he was as a light heavyweight. That speed difference makes a huge difference in the fight. But all it takes is one, you know, to land. And Fahea can put him out with one shot. But we've seen Bader put people out with one shot. So... I think it's a great matchup. Obviously, I think each guy has their, you know, strong suits in this. It depends on who can keep the fight where they want it to be. Yeah, where where I'm looking at this fight, John, this is a little bit of a throwback. You have the stand-up guy versus the wrestler slash, you know, yep. I would say a little, there's some threat submission threats there by Ryan Bader. The speed, I would say, would normally go to Ryan Bader in the heavyweight division, but not in this case. I think Fahed is going to be the faster fighter. I think he's going to be the longer fighter. He's going to be the, I, I don't want to say more athletic, but he moves very like gingerly and light. Very well a, for, a, very, for a six foot eight guy. Yeah. Six foot eight. He is tied. He moves very well. He's tied for the um, tallest champion in the sport of MMA. Yeah. Tim with, Sylvia and him. Tim Sylvia. Him and Tim Sylvia. Yes. 
So I believe they're tied uh, for the tallest fighters that have been championed in the sport of MMA. That being said, Ryan Bader's fought guys like Linton Vassell, Matt Mitrione, and Chet Congo, who were all very yep. tall. Not 6'8", but in that 6'5", 6'6", range. 6'5". You know, 6'5", 6'6", range kind of. But I also look at it, too. Chet Congo's got better takedown defense than Hedda Fajeda. Um, Matt Mitrione has got just as fast of hands as Hedda Fajeda. And maybe a lead, maybe even a little bit better. Maybe not as much yep. power. But fast. Yep, true. And then I look yep. at what Chet Congo has got more of the technique and the better takedown defense. Lynn Vassell was That's a lot more dangerous. Vassell, same thing. Yeah, Lynn Vassell got a lot more danger on the ground. He's got good takedown defense. He's not afraid to be in off his back because he's got a good hook sweep. He has fought a mixture of all the guys that he needed to fight, Ryan Bader has, to get him past Hennefajeda. But the thing is, John, I always feel this way is when you come into a new organization. Are we going to see the same guy that left the organization he was with? Or are we going to see that feeling out process of like, man, everything feels new. Everything feels a little off. It doesn't feel the same way. Are we going to see the Bellator guys feel a little bit off or fight a little bit off because it doesn't feel like home and seeing the same faces behind the, behind the screens, seeing the, the all fight week, seeing different people handling whether it's, you know, handling you, getting you to and from press me conferences, meetings, uh, uh, you know, photo shoots, all that stuff. Is there going to be a difference between how they feel showing up there? I mean, as I can see right now, it doesn't look like that. Johnny Eblen's out there having a great time riding camels and, and ATV, but he seems like he's just found himself right at home. That's Johnny. That Eblen. is Johnny Eblen. The one thing that scares me about Ryan Bader is at any moment at 40 something years old, 41, I believe is what he is, is no, he's 40. he's 40. Don't okay. make him 41. Is It happens. Come on. John, it happens so fast. You know, it happens so fast. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it happens so fast. Yep. Look, we dropped an interview Monday showing, you know, Ryan Bader and his thought process in this fight, the way he's been training, what is making him want this fight and want a fight against Francis Ngannou mm -hmm. after it. You know, he wants the big fights and it, Here's the thing about Ryan. Ryan is not a, a – he knows submission. He just doesn't really use submissions. But he does have some of – and I talk about it all the time. Ground and pound is an absolute art. It is a technique that some people possess and other people don't. Now, anyone can get on the ground and try to throw a punch. But understanding all the elements of where to put somebody and when you throw those shots and where you put your body – and bringing your head up over your opponent's head, and all these things. Ryan Bader is a master at it. And so he does have the skill set. If he can get the fight to the ground, he definitely has the skill set to put Fahea away in this fight. But he's got to get the fight there, and that's not easy because Fahea's got the absolute skill set to put Ryan Bader away on the feet. Well, you're watching this fight. If... If it's on the feet, it favors Hennef Fajeda. On the ground, Absolutely. it's favoring Ryan Bader. And on the feet, Absolutely. it could end fast. It could end in the first round. And on the ground, it could end in the first round. So it really comes down to, like I said when I started, this thing was a throwback fight. Whoever can yeah, implement really their is. game plan is going to win this fight. If you see Ryan Bader struggling to get that takedown in the first round, this fight's not going his way. You see Hennef Fajeda on his back you know, and Ryan That's Bader on top, it's not going his way. So if you guys, I, I don't know if they're going to have live betting odds because we're in Saudi Arabia. I don't know if they're allowed to or what, but um, I do know that 
if they do have it and you're watching this and you're seeing it play out, start maybe thinking about placing those bets. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Uh, quickly. All right. Quickly. Let's go ahead and go to the co-main event. Oh, man. Again, co-main event. We we're just talking about the man. We've got Impa Kasangane going up. Well, actually going down. Down, <laughs> down in weight to face the 185 King and Johnny Eblen. And, man. Impa is a guy who a lot of his career, he was at 185. He went up to 205. And I'm going to tell you, Josh, watching Impa at 205, I think he's a better fighter there. I think he's more comfortable. He's strong as hell anyways. He hits hard. But it's the speed factor that at 185, he's not that fast of a fighter. He's okay, but it's average speed compared to Someone in Johnny who's actually got fast hands. Johnny transitions from the stand-up into wrestling very well. And he 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 makes it to where people are off balance with when he's going to do something. He has them guessing. And once you're guessing, you're in trouble. Uh, Impa, like I said, love the guy. Fantastic season for the PFL uh, winning that 205-pound title. He went through everyone. You got to figure he actually came from the Challenger yep. Series. To do that, absolutely impressive as hell. He's going to have to have the fight of his life to beat Johnny Eblen in this. No, I would agree with you 100%. Um, look, he's had some success at 185. He's had nothing but success at 205. 205. Him coming back yeah. down in weight, the guys that he's had a problem with, though, have been the faster guys. Those are the guys that have given him a hard time. Also, to the guys that he's fought at 185, they're good on the feet. They're the guys, a couple of them had tendencies to just try to keep it on the feet. So it made it a very almost even fight. Then he was able, then he got clipped or he got hit with some big shots and got put out. In this fight with Johnny Evelyn, Johnny Evelyn's going to stand a little bit, but he's going to threaten the takedown. He's going to stand a lot. He's going to create, he's going to create angles off of his striking into the takedowns. It's going to be very difficult for Impa to be able to keep up with Johnny's pace as well as the activity, how Johnny fights very, I almost felt very similar to this fight as to um, the Ryan Bader and the Hennifer Hedda fight. Whereas the movement's going to give Ryan Bader some problems of Hennifer Hedda. If he stands directly in front of him, it'd be an easier takedown, but Hennifer Hedda is going to have to stay on his bike circle and lateral movement quite a bit, a little bit how, um, how uh, Ian Gary fought. This last weekend, yeah. it's very similar to that long stay long, whereas Impa is going to he generally will lay on the, lay a little bit on the kicks, but also on the hands. The speed is going to be such a factor is going to is Johnny going to be there when he lands or when he throws? Will Johnny circle out? Will like there's so many different ways that Johnny Eblen can win this fight, John. Well, I, I think if you if you go back and you look at Johnny Eblen's career, there's so, there's one fight that I, I can kind of look at it. And go, Impa is very similar in some areas to Anatoly Toko. Mm. In the stand-up, they're very similar. Uh, they throw things the same way. They have, you know, a, a basic attack that they go after all the time with their thing. And their wrestling, I got to give Tokov, is a way better wrestler than uh, Impa. And look at what Johnny Evelyn was able to do to Tokov. And it was, again, it's the pressure and you know that's what Johnny goes through nicknames, like you know, goes through his underwear. Some guys go through, go through underwear. But you know his 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 nickname now is because he does bring a pressure, and it's that pressure that starts to make you fight at a 
pace that is uncomfortable for you and eventually it gets to you and it's the one thing going down in weight that's a 20 pound drop Mm -hmm. now you had time to do it but again you put on all that muscle Mm -hmm. and all that weight to be in the 205s and now you're having to lose it to go to 185 you know it just i look at it it's like man it's a lot for him God bless him for taking the fight. I think, you know, I love him as a fighter, but man, I'll tell you what, he's up against it when you're looking at Johnny Evans. No one has figured out how to beat Johnny yet. That Tokov fight did remind me that Tokov was having success early in the fight in the first round, and then Johnny started figuring him out. Johnny was struggling with him a little bit. It wasn't like he was losing, you know, like... No, I thought he lost the first round. I thought he did too, but I'm saying it wasn't like he was losing badly. It was was just... Yeah. He just wasn't able to find his way in yet. And then once he was able to start finding his way inside that phone booth and then threatening the takedowns, it was over. I mean, he won a unanimous decision. He was able to just start picking him apart on the feet, in the wrestling, and making him work in every angle. Each round got worse. Yeah, true. But the difference is, though, John, this is only a three-round fight, so he can't afford to start off slow like he did against uh, Tokov. He's going to have to get started fast to keep this thing going. Now, he can maybe drop the first round, We've seen Johnny start putting the pressure like he did against um, Fabian Edwards. You know, well, that first round was a fill-out round. A lot of talking back and forth maybe led to them having a little bit longer of a fill-out round. But it's he finds ways after the first round to really start getting it going. He's got to make sure he doesn't take too long. Yeah. going to be good, though. Next fight. Is. Ah, Ray Cooper the third going up against Jason Jackson. This is one of those ones you look at in that uh, – Again, uh, the PFL champion being Magomed Karamov pulled out of the fight, uh, wasn't able to, uh, you know, make it happen. So they pulled up Ray Cooper, who was the prior champion, (laughs) excuse me, in the years past. We all know that Ray Cooper's got just bombs in his hands. He's fun to watch. He can be behind in a fight, you know, the entire thing and then just land one shot and turn it around but he's going to have a very tough fight against Jason Jackson and that Jason's got big time reach over him. He's got power in his hands. He's got a beautiful jab. He's got great wrestling. He likes to take the fight to the ground at times. He like he definitely makes it tough for you to take him down. But if you're going to look at a fight that Ray Cooper is going to say, I kind of like this. He knows Jason Jackson likes to be in the standup. So he doesn't have to fear someone trying to take him down all the time, even though he's got good takedown defense. This is one of those ones. It's a catch weight at 182 based upon that Cooper had gone up in weight from 170. So Jason's going to kind of meet him a little bit more than halfway there. But uh, this is going to be a a fun fight to watch. I think it's going to be a great fight. With Jason Jackson coming from a wrestling background, started off MMA as a wrestler, then just grew into being more of a striker, utilizing his reach, his range, his kicks, his boxing, his jab. He's fantastic on the feet. I wouldn't suggest he stands too long unless he's using that push kick up the middle. Ray Cooper being the shorter fighter, that push kick to the face is going to be there. That thigh kick will be there to take some steam off of Ray Cooper's power. But Ray Cooper's got wrestling as well. Three-time state champ out of Hawaii, someone who can put the grind on you when he needs to. Look, I look at right now, we haven't seen the Ray Cooper since he knocked out Magomed Magomed Karamov in the finals. We haven't seen that same guy. And the reason why we haven't seen it, I think it's a lack of motivation. It's like, look, I've won, the, so I've, I've won the tournament twice. I beat the guy that what you all to, thought. What do I have to prove? Yeah, what else do I need to prove? I'm going to go up to 85. But this might be it. 
This might be. That's what I'm trying. I was trying to get to is that this okay, is it I'm though. Sorry. No, no, this is it, John. This yeah. is what I'm saying. This merging of Bellator PFL, what it does is it ignites those fighters that were just cruising Motivation. by in the PFL and ignites motivation is key. It ignites the fighters in the Bellator organization. Like, Oh, there's all new blood. It's not just the same guys that I'm looking at on the roster every day. I've got a whole other crew of guys that I can go ahead and fight. And so if you're not motivated as a fighter to get in there and mix it up against another organization, then this is not the sport for you, man. You're in the wrong business. And so I'm looking at Jason. He's on a 10 or 11 fight win streak. And just did a dismantle. Well, no. Well, no, no. let's not. Come yes. on. He, he, he faced a fantastic wrestler in Ed Ruth. and uh, He should have won that fight. In that fight, uh, I'm just telling you right now, he won that yeah. fight. There's not a doubt he won that fight. But yeah, somehow judges gave a split decision to Ed Ruth. He still got a seven-fight win streak. That's still pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> so Damn he, good. And, and look, in his last performance, he looked fantastic. He beat Yaroslav Amosov, who had the best record in MMA, no longer does have the best record in MMA. But he has an uh, undefeated record, I should say. But he also trains with Magomed, Magomed Karamov. And yeah. Magomed pulled out of the fight. After, you know, after this fight was being announced, they pulled out of this fight and now Ray Cooper slides in. Ray's got a sprawling brawl. Keep this on the feet. Not let Jason Jackson sit on the outside and pick him apart. And Ray's got, and Jason Jackson's got to be careful of the big shots that Ray Cooper can, can land on you. He's got to be very careful of that. I thought Karamov was fighting out of ATT. Yeah, so is Yaroslav Amosov. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I thought you were saying he was training out of the same camp as Jason no, Jackson. No, 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 no. Who's the kill no, club? No, no. Okay. Yeah, no, I, you you, you right. know those guys were talking. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> it was like, oh, let's, God, let's yes. see. All right, let's go next fight. Bru Bruno Capaloza taking on Vadim Nemkov. Vadim Nemkov going up to heavyweight from being the light heavyweight champion at Bellator. Bruno Capaloza not the heavyweight champion this year, but in a prior year he was the PFL's uh, season champion. And I love Bruno Capaloza as far as the fighter. He's fun to watch in the stand-up. He is absolutely a stand-up fighter, and his ground game is okay. <laughs> it's not real good, but his speed is what makes him special. And this is the difference. He he lives off of being the faster fighter, and it really benefits him with his hands, and he's got beautiful stand-up. He's not going to be the faster fighter Ooh. against Nemkov. They will be the same. Okay, okay, I'll take that. I'll take. That. Uh, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say Nemkov is fast. I, I think Kapaloza is, is fast, but Nemkov coming up, he's going to be just as fast, and that's going to give Kapaloza just a little bit of trouble in getting his shots off without getting the counters. And when it comes to the wrestling part and the ground game, there's an absolute giant void between the two in who's better. And uh, Nemkov on the ground, if he puts it on the ground, he will control Kapaloza there. It will be tough for Kapaloza to get up. So Kapaloza's really got to, you know, be sharp with his takedown defense if Vadim decides to go to it. And he needs to be very careful of the high kicks that come up very fast from Nemkov. Brutal Kapaloza's got fast hands. He needs to start throwing a three and a four behind it. He will sometimes get stuck in this one-two rhythm. And True. he and he throws his fast kicks. He's got powerful, powerful kicks. So Nemkov's yeah. going to have to be cautious of those as well. Speed wise, I would have to say they're equal. I would probably even give Capaloza a slight edge on the speed, just a tiny, not much. 
but the power and the kicks. I think I think they're about even, but it's yeah. It's the close. power and the kicks. I'm going to go with Capaloza, but he doesn't throw them as often as he possibly could. Vadim's got great kicks. I'm not denying that. I think he's got fantastic kicks. But I've all no, his kicks are his good kicks are above the yes, waist. Yes, that's exactly where they're at. Whereas Capaloza will do a lot of damage with the leg kicks and the calf kick. True. And so when I'm looking at this fight and I'm matching him up, Vadim going up to heavyweight, his first fight at heavyweight, John, will the speed, how does he do with the will weight? he, how will he carry the weight up to heavyweight? Did he put it on too fast? Is he just, is he just training at the weight he normally walks around in? Like, whereas Ryan Bader came up and he didn't try to put more weight on. He just no. fought at the weight he was at. We've talked to Nemkov. He walks around about 242, 245. He looked yep. a little bit bigger than 242, 245 last time I saw him at the last Bellator event. So I don't know if he's walking at 250, 2 something now. Will that, will that speed still translate? Will his cardio, which is the number one thing, will that translate? We've seen him. It is the question. We've seen him in the before when he fought guys like Yuri Pocheska, where he puts it all out there, but then also gets tired. Now I know it's different circumstances because it's one ten minute round and then another five minute round. And also he, he was well, he had three professional fights at that point. Yeah. And so when I'm looking at what he who he is now, I think he has obviously matured a lot as a fighter. I also look at him, he has done everything he could do at two oh five. Now going up to heavyweight, seeing that I've already beaten beat Ryan Bader, knowing that I could potentially get another fight there if I to win the, the heavyweight title. Let me ask you yeah. let me ask you one question real quick. Did he not fight Corey Anderson twice? Yes, he did. Okay, the second time, did he not prove that cardio is not an issue for him anymore? No, he did. Okay. At 205. <laughs> You're going to say, I look at it, you learn how to control and maintain your cardio in a fight. And he's learned that. And you got to give it to him. I'm not saying it is different, but he's going to be now instead of losing all that weight that he was losing and putting some you know weight back on mm -hmm. and coming into that cage probably at 228 229 230 he's going to walk yeah. in at 240 something but that's his normal natural weight and he's not having to lose anything that's going to help with his cardio also i agree we're going to find out though this, this the, all these questions need to be answered whether it's how yep. the bellator fighters react to a new basically being under a new promotion um, how does Vadim act in terms of uh, going up to heavyweight? Does Jason Jackson, does that does the catch weight affect him? Johnny Eblen not having a really a weight class to fight in. They're putting this fight together at middleweight, but they don't have a middleweight weight class. Where is he going to go? There's so many uncertainties, but hopefully we get a lot of answers after this after this, car, this card in Riyadh. We do, we do have to say one thing. I know that, first off, Patricio Pitbull was supposed to fight uh Pinedo. Pinedo had to pull out. He got injured in that fight. So that fight's off. But we do have an interview that we're holding on to that's going to come out, I believe, Thursday, mm -hmm. Dave. Correct. Thursday with Clay Collard, who is the one of the you know the linchpins and the, the guys that the PFL has put through hell <laughs> and has absolutely just put, you know, been fantastic for him. He's facing AJ McKee. I think it's the first fight on the pay-per-view card now. And that is going to be one hell of a matchup. You're talking about both guys are young. Clay Collard has been fighting forever, but he's only 30 years of age. AJ McKee is 28 now, 27, 28. Both of them are just fantastic fighters. Tough as hell. Clay is more boxing-centric. 
AJ has come up with the wrestling and his all-around game because of his dad being a, a MMA fighter. I love this matchup, and it's going to be just an incredible start to the card. Yeah, we're going to find out if AJ is going to utilize his wrestling because his wrestling is really damn good. We just never see yep. it because he's so good on the feet. He's, he fights so fluidly on the feet, but Clay has, has pointed out, AJ sometimes will leave himself out of position because he lives off his athleticism and his striking. He'll jump in, jump out. Will that put him in? Will that put him in some danger against Clay Collard, who tends to just walk you down, put pressure on you, wait for you to make a mistake and capitalize, rip the body, come back up top to the he head, attacks that body so yes. well. Come on. And so I think AJ in the early rounds will probably try to utilize his wrestling a little bit. The submission game, I think I'm going to favor AJ. The wrestling, I'm going to favor AJ. On the feet, I'm going to say it's about equal. I would even maybe favor AJ because of the speech and the reach and the range, but the actual game planning on how he can break these guys, a clay collar can break these guys up. Well, look what he did to Jeremy Stevens. Look what he did to Anthony Pettis. Look what he does. Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos. He finds ways to beat the guys who seem to be better athletically and better strikers than him, but he finds ways to win. They think they're better they strikers. Think, they're yeah. not. He finds ways Please. to win. Clay Collard is, is what, 24 and 11 as a, a MMA fighter. He's also got, you know, let's say close to 20 boxing matches. Yeah. Okay. He is a boxer. He's got beautiful footwork. He sets himself up. The, the angles he creates to attack the body are beautiful. If you are not taking Clay Collard seriously, you are a fool because yeah. this dude will put it on you and he is mean. I love him as a fighter. Okay, uh, yeah, eighteen pro fights in boxing. Amazing, yeah, in boxing guy's amazing. Yeah, he he's got good boxing. Uh, look, and then there's the other fight with the uh, with the two older guys. You got Yoel Romero versus Tiago Santos, forty and forty seven years old, forty six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, does Yoel Romero use his wrestling, or does he rely no. on his granite chin to keep him afloat? He relies on his granite chin. That's what he does. And Tiago Santos obviously going to try to but sprawl and brawl and let it go on the feet. How can you not use your wrestling when you have watched every fight that Tiago Santos loses? He's taken to the <laughs> ground and beat up on the ground. And when Yoel Romero puts people on the ground, he knocks them out. He puts them away. He damages them. God damn it. Yoel, I'm talking to you. Use your wrestling. Can I? I don't think he will. Can I say this, John? Have <laughs> yeah, you tried to wrestle at forty-six years old? <laughs> it's just no, not, no, I don't want to wrestle. It's so at any painful. Age, <laughs> I was just showing techniques the other day on a single leg snatch to the step behind, and man, I walked away. I was like, man, my low back is a little tight. Oh, oh legs are kind of burning because I got to stay in that wrestling position. I was like, oh, this is not. It's not what I recall it being. Uh, but like it's really going to come down to if if Tiago Santos is able to keep this on the feet or Yoel doesn't use his wrestling, Santos I think is going to be the faster fighter. Romero's probably yes. got he's got the power to to put Santos out too on the feet, but it oh, comes yeah. in small spurts. And I think if Santos is smart, which I think he will be, he'll just stay on the outside, just try to pick Romero apart because he knows Romero's not going to he's not going to do too much until I get in too close a range for him to try to rush and blitz me, and then he'll go back into his shell. And take the center of the cage and make me try to pick him apart again from the outside. Yeah, the one thing that we've definitely got to do is when we're in Riyadh, we got to pull Yoel aside and say, 
three rounds. Three rounds. It's three yes, rounds. You got to remind. Remember his fight with Phil yes. Davis? He thought he thought it was a five round fight. It was only three yeah. rounds. <laughs> uh the last fight we're going to talk about is Gabriel Braga versus Aaron Pico, and man, man. this is a great fight. This great is a great fight. fight. Now, Gabriel Braga is a solid fighter. Lost his first fight in his last fight, uh, and that was against Pinedo. And uh, look, he has been fantastic. Unfortunately, he had a tragedy occur recently where he lost his father. And I, I really wonder: is that going to be an inspiration to him, or is it going to end up, you know, his dad not being there? That's that's tough. Yeah. When you're used to that person being there and being in the corner and stuff it can have an, uh, an effect on your overall performance. And he's going up against a guy in Aaron Pico right now. Like if it's not, if he, if Aaron Pico doesn't get injured, stand by. He is a nightmare for everybody at 145. The dude can wrestle with anybody. He's got the best damn takedowns in that 145 division that you'll find. And his hands are heavy. He throws beautiful shots. Yeah, he can be touched on the chin. But he hasn't been touched on the chin in a long time because he's taking the time to do things right. He has he isn't making the mistakes he made in the past. This is a future champion. John, I fought uh I fought ten days after my dad passed. And some fighters for me, I looked at it as just getting back on the horse and moving on with their life. Now, you guys can say it's it's um very unpersonal or whatever it is. It's like no emotion Everyone's involved. Different. It's just everyone is different. And right. and for my dad and I, like he very rarely came to wrestling matches because he was working. He very rarely came to fights because he was working. And when he did make fights, you know, it was always awesome to have him there. But I was relatively young in my in my career when he passed. So it was even before I got to the UFC. And so um it just was one of those moments. Um it was, it was sorry. It wasn't before I got to the UFC, but it was just one of those moments before I won my world title. It was those moments of this is what we this is what I did. We talked through the phone. We talked, you know, in conversation with Braga, having him there, getting through this and pushing through. It's something that is there that it just feels normal. Like my dad would want me to do this. My dad wouldn't want me to to soak and 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 soak and just and just sit there on the sideline and let my life just tick away. He would want me to stay the course. And, uh, and I, th I think in this scenario, in this situation, it's like, this is what he was set out to do. And, and, uh, the focus is still the same is to go out there and win, make a life for yourself, make as much money as you can, take care of your family, take care of your loved ones. Nothing, nothing can change, you know, and, and, you know, as well as I know that you're celebrating the life you had with them. You're not mourning the loss of them. And I, I take that very seriously when I talk about when fighters lose their, lose their mother, lose their father. You've got to look at all the great moments you have with them. And I think that it seems like that's what he's doing. seems like he's pressing forward and he's like, look, I got to stay the course. This is what, this is what we, we've worked so hard to get here. And this is a moment you can't take, maybe I'm being selfish. You can't take yourself out of one of the biggest, if not the biggest uh, show that the PFL and Bellator could have possibly put together. You can't take yourself out of there. You're one of the guys that they wanted to put on there to build you, to do whatever you have an opportunity to beat someone that there's a lot of hype around in Aaron Pico. If you can do that, you set the standard for what is next. You can, yep. you can start to call the shots on what is next. I think he sees the big picture. So I wish him nothing but the best man. I've been through it. I understand. And uh, it's hard going into the fight, but there's, there's a, uh, 
there's gold on the other side, I guess. That's all I can say. There's something there on the other side for you. So, and Aaron Pico, like you said, he's a wreck. He's, he's a force to be reckoned with, man. He really is. Oh, yeah. Stays healthy and just gets after it. But man, this guy's good. He can wrestle. He can strike. He's got good boxing. He's starting to utilize his kicks and his jujitsu and his, his submission grappling. game is now it's good. It's getting good. It's getting good. So yeah. we're going to see, man. I'm looking forward to that fight. To me, that, that has a potential being one of the best fights of the night on the card. So for everyone out there listening, that card is from Saudi Arabia. So the actual fights will start somewhere around 12 o'clock Eastern. 12 noon eastern nine o'clock pacific and the main card goes off i believe at three o'clock eastern and 12 noon pacific so you have an early day of fights knock them out man get them all out of the way let's go let's go it is a pay-per-view event you can watch the watch bellator pfl in the morning but watch the ufc at night what a Before day. we leave you guys, go to WayneAmmerch.com, pick up some of our hoodies and sweaters. It is almost teacher t-shirt season, so I'm looking forward to you guys <laughs> rocking the t-shirts for us. Go to WayneAmmerch.com, pick up some of your shirts. Pick up some of our shirts, and John, take us away. Hey, for everyone out there, I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. Watch the fights on Saturday. All day is fight day for Saturday. Watch the PFL versus Bellator early, and then watch the UFC from Mexico coming at you later on. I hope you do. Take care.